everybody. Welcome back to Community Possibilities. Today, Mary Margaret Maurer joins me, or should I say Dr. Mary Margaret Maurer? She's pretty humble, so she doesn't really go by her title. But what you should know about Mary Margaret is that she is a passionate advocate. She's a community organizer, an educator, and she works on behalf of foster, adoptive, and at-risk children and their families. Mary Margaret, along with her husband, co-founded Restoration Rome, based in Rome, Georgia, not too far from me. She has worked within her community to organize public, private, and faith-based entities and developed an innovative and trauma-informed model of care for children and families at risk. She has established Restoration Rome. She has such a vision, such a passion, and I know you are going to enjoy this conversation. I hope you're going to be inspired. They have negotiated the acquisition of a $7.8 million property with the city of Rome and raised $3 million thus far for renovation. And they've done it in a really thoughtful, methodological approach. And you'll hear her talk about the different phases. Why is Restoration Rome so important? Because they do what many of us talk about. They have brought together their community partners, their community members, more than 20 social service providers together to work collaboratively to promote prevention of folks being involved in the foster care system or falling through the cracks when it comes to what they need, and then really strengthening and reunifying families in such a collaborative way. People come all over to see what Restoration Rome has done and learn what they can do in their communities. I know you're going to benefit from this conversation. Please let me hear from you about your learning, what you were inspired to take back to your own communities. Enjoy, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Community Possibilities. I'm so excited to have uh, Mary Margaret Maurer with me. And uh, Mary and I haven't known each other that long, but I don't know. It feels like we've known each other forever. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe because we're both Southerners. That could be it. Uh, but anyway, welcome to the podcast, Mary Margaret. Thank you so much for having me, Ann. I, I feel like you probably, and I know you're not, could have gone to Catholic school with me. You have a very Catholic name. Do you know that? Mary Margaret. <laughs> I do. I actually, I have an Aunt Mary and an Aunt Margaret, right, from the different sides of the family. So that's how I got the Mary Margaret, and it's the MMM. I was manly, and now I'm Mauer, so I've got all those Ms. Uh, well... You know, it's funny. I don't know if you ever see on Facebook this, um, what is it called? Southern something. And they do all these like uh, comedic videos about growing up in the South. And the one I saw this morning was um, how we love our, um, what do you call it? Uh, God, I'm having a moment here. Um, you know, where you have your, uh, your initials. Monogram. Yes. Thank you. Monogram. It's, a, oh, it's yeah. another M. How come I couldn't come up with that word? Monogram. So yours would be MMM. Yes. So I've been M&M, M&M's, you know, triple M, M cubed, all of those. So when you were growing up, did you get teased a lot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like my M's. I, you know, people, look, I tease my husband, Jeff, but I married him for his M. 
Oh, that's funny. So I could keep my M's. <laughs> yeah, I was a uh, little little orphan Annie. Annie, get your gun. My maiden name is Webheads or uh, Web rather. So I was called Webhead, Charlotte's Web. I've heard it all. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, we're going to be talking about trauma. Maybe we'll talk about the trauma that is bullying when you're growing up. But anyway, so um, for those of you listening, so Mary, Margaret, and I work in. Uh, in Georgia, and we met on a couple of uh, resilience calls, basically building um, a region of resilience. Mm -hmm. I work with the Northwest Georgia uh, group there, but you are involved in resilient Georgia and trauma work. So that's how we came to know each other. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mary Margaret, tell my audience a little bit about yourself and how you came to be who you are. Sure. Well, I, um, as Ann said, I'm a Southern girl. Um, you probably got that from the accent. <laughs> so grew up in South Georgia, though, down near the Okefenokee Swamp. Um, and um, grew up in a community, um, you know, and I know you focus on right communities. And I grew up in that community um, that really taught me what community should be, where, um, you know, everybody knew everybody there and, um, you know, met whatever needs there were. Um, and so it was just a great place to grow up. Um, headed north to um, all the way to North Georgia for um, college, you know. Well, hey, that's probably a good five or six hours. I mean, we have a big state. It was. That's right. Yes, it was. Um, so in college then, you know, that's where um, I, I pursued biology. I loved um work on brain and behavior, all those um, classes, and um, so pursued a degree um, in biology. Met my husband in the senior year. We were, we were friends and started dating and been married um, 32 years now, so um, that's kind of what kept me in North Georgia. Um, so um, ended up, um, lived um, in the Atlanta area around Marietta, then um, Chattanooga, and now settled in Rome for, gosh, the last, I guess, 20 or so um, years. Yeah. And Rome Rome is, is beautiful. No doubt about it. So Love it. you are actually Dr. Maurer, are you not? Yes. So um, I um, pursued a PhD in biological sciences, really with that focus on brain and behavior. Um, as postgraduate work. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I, I saw that. I'm like, you know, I don't know if I knew that. She keeps that kind of on the down low. <laughs> it's interesting how, you know, like I got that degree and then, but then I was mom for a long time. Right. Where we have three children that are grown now um, and, you know, did some, um, some teaching and all of that. But it's, it's interesting how it circles back around as we talk about trauma, trauma-informed care, it all circles back to so much of that work I did um, as a graduate student. Right. Well, absolutely. And I want to dig into uh, the trauma work for sure. But, you know, you had a path to that interest in trauma. And if I understand it correctly, that interest uh, in trauma was really um, sparked by your interest about children in foster care. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, when we moved here to Rome, again, with, with small children, um, I got involved with Murphy Harps Children's Center, which is residential care um, for children, uh, most of whom come from um, extreme trauma. 
and um, started serving down there in in different capacities, um, but loved doing the kind of on-campus work with the kids. And so that was my entrance really into the arena of child welfare. And um, I just really had a passion for serving, especially those teens. Um, There were a lot of teens on campus and just connecting with them. So that was kind of that entry point um, you know, in, into this arena. Well, very good. And so how did come to be? Because you, you and your husband, um, Jeff, that you mentioned, um, were all about starting that. So how, what's the connection between foster care and Restoration Rome? Absolutely. So, um, you know, based on what we saw at Murphy, um, my husband, um, he comes from the business world, which has been wonderful um, as we've worked on the Restoration Rome project. Um, and, um, you know, we got involved again. I was volunteering down there. And of course, you know, as we tend to do, we we pull our family <laughs> into those arenas with us to serve alongside. And um, so we got involved um, down there and really connected with some of the children um, that did not have an identified um, adoptive um, family um, and parental rights had been terminated and all that. So we decided to go through the process of um, becoming um, an adopt- adoptive family. Really, we trained to be foster parents and therapeutic foster parents with more training on the trauma front um, in order um, to, to become adoptive parents for um, some of the youth down there that we had connected with. Um, ended up, you know, we, we um, did all of that training and um, we thought that we were doing that training to become adoptive parents to those specific children. And it worked out that the foster parent who was caring for them adopted them, which was wonderful. But, you know, it was just not the path we had anticipated. Um, so it's just interesting to us how um, we were just trying to be obedient right, to what we felt like the Lord would have us do um, in terms of um, being open to adopting um, children. And um, so he used that that training for us to kind of see um, how broken the system was and what all the needs were. And so that was really eye-opening for us going through that training and um, just, you know, again, seeing the needs of the children, seeing the needs of the foster adoptive parents, seeing the needs of the birth families, all of that um, from a new vantage point that we had not had previously. So for those listening who are not um, familiar with, because we have listeners all over the nation and actually internationally, tell us what is Restoration Rome? So Restoration Rome is a hub for foster adoption and family services. So um, we are, are in the process of repurposing an abandoned elementary school that was in an area um, of an underserved area, high need area of our community um, as that hub to help with accessibility and, and communication. Um, what led us to that was was just seeing, um, you know, as we trained um, to become foster parents, again, we saw the need for community among all of those groups. We saw the need for additional um, tangible services and resources. Um, and at the same time, 
um, um, another friend, Allison Waters, um, and I started a group called Fully Faith Coalition for Families. And we were going out and we were saying um, to the churches, hey, we've got a foster crisis because at the time our community of Floyd County um, was the worst county in the state in terms of the number of children in care to the number of avail- available beds. And so we we knew we had a wonderful giving community that if they knew um, what the needs were, right, um, that they would want to get involved. So we were going out and we were telling our churches about the need and we were pointing them in about 50 different directions of ways to get involved. And it was that piece that just kind of burdened us. It's like, gosh, we leave folks um, wanting to get engaged, but it's, it's still fuzzy. Where do I go? Who do I talk to? All of that. And so the the idea of having a hub where we could point people to and say, if you want to serve in this arena, here's a place you can go and you may go and decide to become a foster adoptive parent. But there are about a million other ways that you can serve in the child and family welfare arena. And you can learn about that at Restoration Realm. So that accessibility piece um was just such a need for folks seeking to serve, but also for those needing services, right? We know transportation is a huge issue um, for folks. And so we're on the bus line. And so we wanted a place where folks could come and it was this one-stop kind of hub of services. So a family um, that, um, a foster family, for instance, that is caring for a child, they can come over here, um, they can get training, their child may be seeing a counselor at the same time, they're getting training. Um, If they have, um, they need some new jeans, right, for school, they can visit the clothes closet. Um, If they are welcoming kids and gosh, just don't have time to cook can visit um, the kitchen and get some frozen meals or some easy prep, you know, food, things like that. So um, medical care, all those pieces. Mm-hmm. We were trying to make all the pieces that a family um, that um, is at risk or a, a family foster adopted, kinship family, um, whatever they could benefit from, right, in this mm-hmm. one site. So they can get medical care there now as well, right? Yes, we are so excited because the um, repurposing of the school building, there's four phases to it. Um, And so um, the first phase was the piece that was directly in response to our Floyd County Defects Director saying, we need supervised visitation. Um, We need a safe place for that. And so phase one was that. It's the Comprehensive Care Center where we offer um, supervised visitation services for families that go beyond just, here's a place to have a visit. It's pre and post visit counseling. It's um, parenting classes that start with how do we help you get healthy Right. So that you can be a healthy parent. And then let's talk about parenting um, skills, um, all of those pieces. And it it also has a child um, intake area that's really child friendly, um, that is designed to be the place of entry for children coming into foster care rather than them having to go to the DFAX office um, with all the cubicles and all of that, they can come here and get all their immediate needs met. So that's that phase one piece. And then phases two and three 
Um, phase two was the team one center um, that houses all of the service providers. So we have, you know, collaborative office spaces that um, our providers lease and um, they serve here. So we have folks on site to serve people. And then phase three was the wellness center, which opened in June. And so it's um, a federally qualified health center. So it provides a sliding fee um, scale. So very accessible medical um, behavioral health and soon to be dental services. So, so that is amazing and terrific. So children and families do not have to go hither and yon to get all of the services. It's really right there. Everything they possibly could need to give them the support they need to be healthy and happy and connected and successful. So that is that is the goal, the one-stop shop. And then all the service providers are there too. Do you find that it helps the service providers kind of break down those silos and be better connected because everybody is there wrapping services around families? Absolutely. And that's that, you know, that other side. So accessibility was a goal of this, of Restoration Realm and communication, right? Breaking down the silos, as you said, and just really helping promote that kind of communication among um, all the service organizations, whether it's um, uh, private or public, it's DFACs working with some of our wonderful local ministries, right? Sitting together and um, helping us be, um, much better steward of our community's resources. Because again, as I said, we have a very generous giving community, but often we see folks don't even know that um, these opportunities, um, these agencies are out there. And so when we can bring everybody together, gosh, it's it's just so much, so much better, right? Mm-hmm. We can, um, again, better utilize our resources. So every month, um, we all, um, everyone in the building basically sits down together um, and we have um, our, our little gathering where we chat about what are all the needs, um, you know, what's coming up, what um, trainings are you offering or those kind mm-hmm. of things. And we share about that and it helps get the word out. And again, it seems like every month, you know, somebody's saying, hey, you know, I've got a family that could use um, such and such. Does anybody know of a resource around that? And absolutely somebody in that room says, hey, I know so and so. Let me get them in touch with them. So that's how I think it should work. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. yeah, absolutely. What a concept that we don't further traumatize people by sending them here, there, and everywhere when they're already so stressed. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the important pieces for us over here, too, is that in-person opportunity, right? So we believe um, that building relationships is really the key um, for for healing. And so having on-site folks, rather than handing them a phone number, the call that maybe nobody answers, Mm -hmm. you know, they can actually see people here. Um, That's, you know, another one of the goals um, of, of the hub. And having folks on site. Yeah. So I I know you're all about using a trauma-informed pro- approach uh, at Restoration Rome. And, and that work has really um, been something that you are very passionate about. You're a leader uh, with getting a trauma-informed approach broadcast all over the state. So talk to me about where did that come from, first of all, and how has it kind of 
changed what you do in communities? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, um, again, going back to the training that Jeff and I had, you know, as foster parents, we, we were trying to get um, those necessary annual hours um, and get our quota in. And um, one of our local churches had a training and it was um, um, empowered to connect. And um, I said, hey, um, you need to get off from work, right? And you need to come with me to this training because we can get a lot of hours in one chunk if we do this. And he's like, oh, you know, um, kind of take him kicking his trip. But we go to this training and really within 30 minutes, we both looked at each other and were like, oh, my goodness, this training, which was heavy. It was trust based relational intervention was the model TBRI. We're like, this is the training that everybody needs, not just foster adopted Mm -hmm. parents, but it's really about how you do relationships. So it's like we said, this needs to be a part of premarital counseling. You know, this needs, this is what every parent needs. And, and we were like, oh my goodness, we wish we had had this right before we had kids or, or when they were young, we, we might not have made quite so many mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so just that exposure um, to TBRI just really propelled us to to push that on the community because especially over here at Restoration Rome, right, we are asking people to step into um, hard arena, right? We, we have lots of folks who've experienced extreme trauma um, that we're working with. And so we do not believe that it's appropriate to ask people to step into that without the proper equipping because it will do them a disservice and the person they're trying to serve if they don't have a good understanding of how um, to work in that and and really provide the healing. Um, So we believe, um, we looked at lots of different kind of models, but TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention, is that one that we believe is is ideal for doing it, especially on a community-wide basis. So... We're not just interested in getting just foster parents, just adopted parents or defects folks trained, but all, all those who um, are connected in any way with our children and families. So that means um, our school systems, right? Our um, medical offices, our our churches, um, law enforcement, the courts, all of those pieces. If we can um, have this common understanding and language and equipping, my goodness, what a difference we can really make. What do you think it is about TBRI that 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 is so powerful? Yeah, well, I will say, um, you know, as a Christian, I believe it is really, you know, consistent with biblical teaching. Um, so for us as a faith-based organization, you know, that was important to us. Um, I believe that the, the what allows it to be really applicable, again, across sectors and not to some small group, um, is that it is a principles-based approach, right? So it is it, it's it's evidence based, you know. It's it's founded in real life experience, um, and it gives us a framework to work in. So it's not prescriptive, like oh, this happens, you do this, mm-hmm. right? We're complex people. We have complex situations we're working in, and everybody is different. And and so it honors the 
individuality of everyone. It honors the creativity by giving you this framework that works um, and is, again, grounded in science, grounded in attachment theory and all of this. Um, but it doesn't constrain you with, oh, this happened. This happens. This is what you do. It's this happens. Now you've got this framework and you've got tools within that. Oh, okay. I can use this tool here and I can adapt it in this way, you know, based on the situation. So that flexibility of a principles based approach rather than this manual, you know, prescriptive um, approach, I think is, is the key to it. Uh, being applicable across sectors and across cultures. So it's being used around the globe. Mm -hmm. I imagine that the brain part of uh, TBRI speaks to the scientist in you. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So I love teaching. We teach about the the five Bs and the impact of trauma on the brain. That's a big piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think the the other the uh, gem for me is uh, you might maybe somebody goes to the training thinking it's going to help me understand the folks that I'm working with, but I mm-hmm. don't think you can go through uh, any kind of trauma informed training and not come out with. Oh, I see how why I do the things I do or how I react in the way I do. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We we kind of chuckle about that, right? Because a lot of times we have parents who they come to the training they're like, "Okay, help me fix my kid." <laughs> Basically, right? And so, it you know, It was about fixing me, you know. So it's really interesting to see that happen. Um, and um, I think Dr. Cross, who's um, you know co-founder of TBRI, um, he was recently um, on a Zoom meeting with us, and and he made the comment about you know that if we aren't examining our own stuff, right, um, kind of unpacking our own histories and all that stuff, then then we're operating blindly as we try to serve others mm-hmm. that, you know, we have to start with ourselves. Right. So TBRI really um, provides people the framework, not the specific script, but the framework to understand themselves and then other people that they're dealing with, whether those be people be adults, you know, the grumpy person you see in line at target and you're wondering, right. golly, what happened? You know, they must've had a really, Mm-hmm. you know, bad mm-hmm. day kind of gives you a little understanding of what they might be, be going through it as well as, you know, our kids. Yes, absolutely. So I would say, you know, it really helps us with understand um, kind of this need for this lens, lens shift mm-hmm. um, where we see behavior as the language of unmet need rather than something that, oh, bad behavior, get away from me. You know, it becomes that, hey, you know, let me help you with that right? Draw closer. Um, and it gives us the tools to do it. Yeah. You know, cause so, you know, you think about when I'm, you know, I have three kids, so I can think about when they were little, um, you know, the behavior that they like exhibited and it definitely tra- anybody who's a parent understands what I'm talking about, right? It stretches your patience to no end, but if you can try to think about behavior then as a communication tool, Right. Then it kind of def- it definitely changes your lens. Or if you can think about the times when you've 
reacted or maybe overreacted and you see, you know, someone you love pulling away from you, right? It just really helps you understand the dynamics that maybe you did not before. That is exactly right. And, and, you know, I would say, Anne, like understanding so much that um, these behaviors that maybe, you know, we don't, don't like or that are maladaptive in terms of, you know, social interactions and all that, really understanding that so much of it is fear-based, grounded in fear and a lack of feeling safe inside, you know. And so when we see that um, and can identify, oh, gosh, you know, that's that's a fear-based behavior. But that changes our reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what what kind of work are you doing then to expand um TBRI, not just, you know, out of out of Rome, Georgia to other places? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So over here, um, we do um every month on um, third Friday, you know, we're offering um trainings that go from nine to two thirty. Um, we are um working, we are um the ambassador organization um for the Care and Purpose Institute of Child Development that um TBRI comes from. Um so we are working um in partnership with them to really help spread TBRI um throughout the state by helping train other TBRI practitioners who can train others in in the model. Um, so we'll be having a training here in September in Georgia that's just Georgia folks. Um, we have um, our TBRI Georgia Collaborative. And so all of the practitioners throughout the state um, gather quarterly, virtually, and we um, you know do continued learning. So the goal is that becoming a practitioner is kind of the beginning part of, um, of really diving deeper into TBRI and being able to implement in um, someone's organization or, again, in the community. Um, So we're working to um, get enough practitioners trained across Georgia to really support that kind of community-wide implementation effort um, for all the sectors. So we're um, identifying regional leads who can lead that in their defects region or county leads and also sector leads so that we have people kind of um, guiding that process and um, pulling others along across the state who are working in a similar sector, but, you know, are just getting started. Mm-hmm. And by sectors, do you mean then like education, healthcare, law enforcement, things yes. like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so in your wildest dreams, if you could have like a magic wand and uh, ex- what would that look like? What would the expand? What would the expansion of TBRI look like to you? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it looks like again we go back to accessibility, right? Where every community has access to that training and to um, sufficient practitioners in those communities to support it. Because again, you know, folks come and learn. But the application piece is a whole different thing. And so we want to have that level of support where folks then can come back and say, hey, you know, I tried this and um, can you help me troubleshoot this? This this didn't work. But hey, again, principles based approach, we can um, think of other ways to to try to um, work with this child or this family. Um, So ideally, um, we have ongoing practitioner trainings, right? So it's generally been based out of um, Texas. And um, so our goal is to have those trainings um, ongoing in Georgia. So we continue to build that supportive base of practitioners that are um, kind of inserted in every one of those sectors, right? Um, 
so that we're all speaking a consistent language. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's been going long enough kind of in our area of region three, that that's what we're seeing. So we're, you know, so a child that um, is um, in school, you know, um, they're getting it in the school system because our Rome city school system is implementing TBRI throughout the system, right? So they're hearing the same language, the same um, approaches are being used with the kids as in our after school program here run by the YMCA um, in our visitation center. If they are in care, um, when they go to um, the health center, you know, the the same language is being used by everybody. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of wrapping, wrapping some loving arms around the whole community, really. It- it, it is. And, and that's one of the things I really do love uh, about TBRI and um, particular when we're able to offer these trainings where just diverse folks from across the community sit together. And, you know, that level, that deep level of understanding um, really um, breeds compassion, mm-hmm. compassion for ourselves and each other. And so that is that that piece that really changes communities, right? When um, I can sit alongside other people and have a much better understanding, right, um, of, of what I'm seeing and, and my reactions and all of that. And, um, you know, so that, that's, that's what really gets me excited mm-hmm. is that um, it helps literally build trust-based relationships across communities. And that's what we want for across the state. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. Now, we've been talking like this work is like super easy, like, and Restoration Rome happened and TBRI is everywhere. But (laughs) we know that's not true because community work is really hard. So so what can other community-based organizations or community coalitions or collaboratives learn from the work and maybe this would be a good place to talk about well here are our challenges and here's how we handled them or you know and here here were some of our successes i know this work's not easy Mm -hmm. it's not easy uh, but it's wonderful right um I, i think you know one of the biggest things we have lots of communities taught to us about about this model and one of the the biggest important parts i think um here is that um, essentially, um, we we are not service providers here. So um, my husband, Jeff, and I are co-founders. Um, we're just community folks that re- we serve. We do this as volunteers. So we can we can talk to folks. We um, my husband is say um, we don't have a dog in the hunt, <laughs> right? In terms like we don't have anything to gain, mm-hmm. um, and so we're coming at it from. Like we just we just want better mm-hmm. for families right. and children, right? right? As community members, so we are not an entity to be competed with, right? So um, a lot of times we talk to communities, and you know maybe it's um, a, a government agency, whatever they want to start something like this. You know the hard part with that is it makes it much harder then to kind of tear down silos because people are always like, "But you're the government, mm-hmm. right?" Or if it's a single church. Well, you're that denomination, mm-hmm. right? Or you're that church, you're representing that somehow, you know? So it makes it harder to get folks to really work together. But if you can be completely neutral, which is what we try to be, um, we can we can bring together as we do our defects folks who are trying to recruit and train adoptive foster parents with all of our private agency folks doing the same thing. 
We can bring them all together and sit in the same room and talk about how we do this together and support all of them in that work. And then let our folks, you know, point them to all of them. Say, like, you know, you go talk to each of these agencies and then you figure out your fit. We're not pointing you to anyone. You know, we're, we're just trying to, um, again, cast this vision and kind of serve as the umbrella under which all of these the service agencies um, kind of can work together. So just trying to promote that um, collaboration. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, some of that, what we just the, just hit on, like really helping people um, break out of those um, silos, um, I, I think, you know, is one. So, again, that has taken a whole lot of um, sitting down with folks face to face and saying, this, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, we're here really, you know, for you to help your ministry grow and serve better. So that communication piece um, has kind of helped us overcome Um I will say, I mean, the challenge we're all aware of in the um, child welfare arena is just the turnover of staff, right? And with all the agencies with we work with, um, you know, so you develop relationships with folks and then they're gone. Um, so it's kind of a continual thing. And that's why it's so important, right, to um, go deep in changing culture, so that um, even when turnover happens, right, you've got folks um, that are stepping into those roles um, who, who have already like been exposed to things like TBRI right. or who understand restoration. Right. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, and hopefully we reduce the number of kids that we have in care. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing? Wouldn't that be lovely? That's what we say. We're like, we, um, again, a lot of the building in the early phase, the comprehensive care center was faced, was, was focused um, on that intervention side, but most of the rest of restoration realm is focused on prevention, right? So that's why, I mean, the wellness center is here. We, we want to support that great grandmama who's, you know, caring for six kids and who needs um, some health care and connections with resources for her young people that she can get through the wellness center. So, um, so much of it, you know, again, we would love to just be able 100% work on that side and not have kids coming into care. But um, we want to, um, again, we, we feel like we're, we're investing in that, right? Even like with the intake center that um, reduces the trauma for our kids, right? We're making an investment in that child not having the same, repeating that cycle. Mm -hmm. So if we can reduce their trauma, the likelihood that then they have children that in our care will be lower. Right. And and I will say just on that prevention side, and I, I just have to highlight the like the work that um the YMCA does here because I told you early on, you know, that when we got into the building, you know, we were all about foster adoptive hub. Um, but we had kids knocking on the door every day, about 30 kids, right, who um, were hungry and looking for a place to be. And our YMCA friends stepped in here and um, they set up a summer feeding program. This um, location ended up um, in all of all the ones in our community being the heaviest use site. And um, so 75 to 85 children a day coming in um, and, you know, having a meal and um, starting to build some relationship. And the YMCA has continued to just expand that service 
to, to our community through after school programming, holiday programming, all of that. And again, that's one of those investments on that prevention side of building relationships with children and families in our community um, that will just help strengthen them and the community. Well, I know you all are a light and an example, and you kind of alluded to this earlier. People come to you, they want to see Restoration Rome, they want to figure out how to get it in your, in their communities. I, I know that you guys are really a, a, sh- a shining light on the hill for sure. What's next for you in Restoration Rome and all this work? Well, I mean, we're excited. So um, I said we had four phases of build out. So this year we will be starting on the phase four, which will be that final piece. And it'll be Hope Street. Um, and so we'll be um, kind of we we already have um, the Hope Chest Closed Closet and we have our after school program going, but we're kind of revamping those spaces. Um, and then we'll be adding a whole lot of um, a, a kind of a youth development academy where we're working more strongly with our teens in particular and um, Workforce Innovation Center, where we're um, working with our young adults and and older adults as well um, with job training and job connections and all of those pieces um, to really dive into um, that poverty side that's feeding our um, foster crisis, right? So we're trying to work on all of those fronts, um, the mental health front, substance misuse front, and the poverty side to, you know, with prevention. So we're excited to be coming into that phase four piece. Um, and so um, that's that's something um, to celebrate. And then um, again, as I said, we'll be um, on the TBRI front, we'll be hosting a practitioner um, training um, for Georgians right here at Restoration Realm. So we will be um, adding probably a third again, a, a, another um, 75 or so practitioners to the state of Georgia. Um, so we're excited about that as mm-hmm. well. I love all that upstream work. It makes so much more sense. Right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to kind of highlight about the work that you all are doing? Um, goodness, I would just say, I would encourage anybody that's listening to um, check out TBRI. In particular, we're going to be um helping um, communities get exposed to TBR through the Hope for the Journey simulcast. And that's what, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, that training that Jeff and I went to, the Empowered to Connect, mm-hmm. um, that that introduced us to TBRI, that's what it's now called. Um, and so um, I would just say, look for that in your community, Hope for the Journey, because we're going to be, again, helping um make it accessible throughout the state and that'll be coming in April. So um, that's just, you know, a a piece that um, I would just encourage. Um, I'd love for folks to come see us. Um, We welcome folks that want to kind of do tours and, um, you know, have some conversation about it Um, and just checking out our website at restorationrealm.org is another way to just find out more about us. Great. So before I let you go, I have to ask you the question I ask everybody, which is when you look to the future, what community possibilities do you see? Well, you know, I think about just our vision for the community, um, which is that um, every child have the opportunity to reach their God-given potential. Um, and when we say that, we don't mean just the one or three or seven-year-old. We mean all of us. Um, and and so I just think it is possible that our community can be one where everyone 
feels seen, heard, and valued. And that's what we want to promote here at Restoration Realm. All right. Well, Mary Margaret, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so grateful I get to hang out with you on the Resilient Georgia calls. And maybe one day we'll actually get to meet like in 3D. (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Community Possibilities. I sure hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, can I ask you a big favor? Would you like this episode and maybe even take a minute to review and maybe even take another minute to share with somebody you know that might benefit from listening? I really would appreciate it. Also wanted to remind everyone that we have revamped our resources page on the website, communityevaluationsolutions.com slash resources. And there you're going to find our new nonprofit evaluation capacity self-assessment and our brand spanking new coalition self-assessment. So if you are a new nonprofit, if you are a coalition, I have a few tools just for you. I hope you will check it out and let me know what you think. Thanks, everybody. And I will see you next time.